Submitting to censorship is to enter the seductive world of the giver. The world where there are no bad words and no bad days. But it is also the world where choice has been taken away and reality distorted. And that is the most dangerous world of all. Lois Lowry. Bending, Not Breaking, Season 2, Episode 14, City of Walls and Secrets. And we're back with another episode. Okay, Jack Black. I think I could do a pretty good Jack Black impression. Ben, I think, can we do something new today? Can we do a little something different? I guess. Okay, I would love for us to start this episode with something that we are just grateful for. Um, because oh, I think I that, love that we want to push gratitude forward. And you talked about it a few episodes back where, like, you want to focus on gratitude. Um, and so I think it's... To and kind I of, have. I have of, been doing that. That's awesome. It's been good. But it's. I think it's important that we also model that sometimes on the show. And so what are things that we're grateful for? Um, so, Ben... What are you grateful for? <laughs> you don't want to start? You don't have... You don't, okay. 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 I want to hear what you have to say. And then I'm going to ask our wonderful producer, Max Gongaware. Welcome, Max. Um, what he's grateful for. So I just applied. I just filled out my FAFSA, my federal application for federal student aid. I think that's what, whatever it is. Financial. Whatever. My financial. <laughs> whatever it is. It's called a FAFSA. We don't need to know. It's a FAFSA. Yeah. You know, anagrams. My federal thing. Financial. Eight acronyms, not anagrams. That's, That's different. Moral of the story is, uh, I just applied for aid, and when I was in high school, I qualified for like all the things, and now I don't. And <laughs> I am sad. I'm terrified. I'm yeah, I'm terrified. But I got into a very prestigious university, and I'm really excited that I got in. And I I don't know that I. I haven't accepted yet. I don't know, and I'm not certain that I'm going, but I'm grateful to have the opportunity, and I'm grateful to have the choice because there are a lot of people who were not given this opportunity and who have not been given this this choice to make. And I has made me think a lot about how I have all of my most hard and difficult times that I can think back on are times when I've had to make difficult choices but I've had the choice to make. It was not ever forced upon me. And so I'm, I'm grateful for choices. And as much as I hate them and making them, I am grateful to have the opportunity to make them. Well, you have the ability to. Like, that's really, that's a really important thing to highlight and not something I really think about very often. So that is something we're showing gratitude for. Max, what about you? Something you're grateful for? Uh... College basketball season. Ooh, March Madness is upon us. It is one of your favorite times of the year, isn't it? Yes. You're probably at the time people are hearing this, you're off to to DC or or Greensboro or other wonderful places where several college basketball games will be being played. That is accurate. Oh, that'll be fun. Oh. I like I like sports. I've played one before. Your turn. Mm. I I think for me, uh, I'm grateful that I have, uh, kind of going off the last episode, the resources that I have, right? Like I'm grateful I have a car that runs, that's pretty reliable. Um, I'm grateful that I have shelter. Um, I think those are things that I don't always, that sometimes I take for granted as like givens and I don't think that they are. And so I think that that's, I'm going to, I'm going to be grateful for those today, but yeah, thanks for letting me do that. Thanks for letting me switch up kind of how we start the show. I think that's I'm grateful for you and Max. But we want to know what you're grateful for, listeners. Ooh, yeah, send us what what you're are for. you grateful for? You can hashtag, you know, bending not breaking. Tag us. Yeah. Or rather bending not break hashtag bending not breaking pod because I'm sure there's a bending not breaking hashtag. I don't know. I don't know. I don't ever hashtag it. I don't hashtag bending not breaking. Just at BNB pod. Yeah. Underscore pod. Tag us in it. That's that's great. Well, we are talking about the city of walls and secrets through a lens of 
censorship. And in order to do that, we need to hear a recap. Max's uninformed recap. Again, one of my favorite parts of this episode are these episodes. Max, are you ready to give us your uninformed recap? Recap. Yes. All right. First scene. The gang rides the train to the inner wall of Ba Sing Se. Final scene. A new Judy arrives to escort the gang back to their homes. Good luck connecting the dots. Your key words and phrases are surveillance, tours, detective work, party, and brainwashing. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. This, uh, this episode, I'm actually starting a timer. It's progress. Yep. yep. Working on it. Using the resources I have around me. And away we go. All right. The episode begins when the gang rides the train to the inner wall of Ba Sing Se. Perfect. Now, while they're at the inner wall, they realize that there's cameras everywhere and they're under surveillance. And so they decide to begin a, a business front in which they give tours of the inner wall to, to make the... <laughs> To make the surveillance like less, it make it seem less um, fishy that they're there. And through some detective work, the 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 people in charge are like, wait a second, they're not supposed to be there. Those aren't even real tours. And they're like, we got them. Let's throw a party because we we caught them. And um, they have they throw the party, but during the party, they realize that there is a mole inside the party and 10 he's, seconds he's brainwashing them to follow all of their commands and that mole's name is a new judy who arrives to escort <laughs> and stop the gang back to their homes a new judy is a name that i have not anticipated <laughs> also like uh brainwashing people at a party made me think for whatever reason all the way back to uh um batman and robin where Jim Carrey as the Riddler is brainwashing people at that event, at that party. Um, and so that made me think of actually bossing. Say, you weren't far off under the surveillance part. They're definitely under surveillance from yeah, the moment they get cameras. there. Yeah, just not by cameras. Just by weird, creepy, daily people. All right. And it's, uh, so I, uh, I think it's my turn to now do. So it I did is. pretty good. You have 30 seconds. Uh, you, did, you did well. All right. Uh, whenever you're ready uh, to start the timer, you let me know. Oh, in that case, Go. Uh, the gang rides the train into the inner wall of Bossing Say, and then they meet Judy, and then she starts giving them tours, and they keep being like, hey, but we gotta give this really good information to the king, and she's like, oh, more tours and homes, and so they get really weirded out. Throughout this entire time, Jed is also trying to figure out if how he can catch Iroh for firebending, and he tries so hard, but then he gets into a fight, and after he gets into a fight, uh, he gets taken away and gets brainwashed, and it's very scary. But we realize Five, that they're doing this to Judy four, as well, who's leaving three, them around because the gang two, figures out the secret one. of bossing. Say, <clears throat> I think I did all right. Could have been worse. Yeah, I think it it wasn't chronologically accurate, but I think I hit all the all the points. So. You are welcome to go back and listen to all of our 30-second recaps and vote on who you think does them best. If you want to take the time to rank them by episode, what the recap is that's We the will best. post it. Uh, yeah, I'll post it. <laughs> Please don't do that. Like, If you, you want to, you can, but like that seems like a lot of work. But, but, but if you're so inclined... Well, we're happy that you like the show enough that much to do that. Especially if I win, we'll, we'll mention it. Fair. All right. Let's talk a little bit about censorship what were you thinking about when you saw censorship why did we choose this lens um what what made you think about the parallels of that in this episode where where was your head at when you were watching this yeah there were a lot of themes we could have analyzed this episode through and had a lot to talk about uh subversion we could have talked about all kinds of things there's just oh there's so much corruption oh there's so much one thing we kind of debated around that when we were deciding the lens too was like we we landed on censorship um because we felt like there's just a lot to talk about it's clearly happening oh yeah um very clear but also like what do you see as the purpose of censorship not being a censorship expert not being one who works in a government i mean i'm sure the government does it uh, every government probably does it in, in different ways shapes and forms 
There's a lot of different like, types why, of censorship. Yeah, exactly. We see it. We've seen banned books before. We've seen movies not get their uh, their due in theaters because yeah, of, yeah, of, yeah. of censorship from the MPAA in America, which is a joke organization in the first place. But that's a whole different side tangent. Um, so wh- why do people do it? What's the point? I think, to me, one of the as I was researching quotes to read at the beginning of the episode for our cold open. I came across several, one of which was about how it was a, actually a George R.R. R. Martin quote where when something along, I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of um, when somebody gets their tongue removed, it's not because we're, um, we want to silence them. It's because we're, it, well, it's not because of all the things. It's because we are scared of what they would say. Right. Right. It's not. Um, the censorship that matters is the fact that we are, we are scared of what, what they're saying might create and what it might do. And so what happens when a person in power knows something and they don't think other people should know it, that is when censorship occurs. I feel like you see that under the guise of... I'm protecting I'm you. I'm protecting you, right? We're protecting the world from these obscene images or... Um, from this sexual content. And there's probably times where that's warranted and necessary. Sure. Um, I, I do not always think censorship is bad. I do think that the majority of the time censorship is bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I saw there's like a pros list. And so like um, if you censor certain things, certain comments, if people, you know, blanket comments uh, on Facebook, right? Delete comments on Facebook, which happens if they're um, sometimes if they are hate speech right yep. like that's censorship and that's done to make sure that we're not inciting hate speech or normalizing it or um turning into that something that, that we feel like that's okay so in that instance is censorship good and then we have moments where we think of band banned books um and keeping content or art from individuals See, under the guise of you know 99 times out of 100 i'm probably going to be in maybe not 99 nine times out of 10 i am probably going to be in favor of not censoring it right um that being said i I think we can learn more from the things that we want to censor than we could by censoring them so for instance with all these banned books I think that it'd be a way more powerful message to say, hey, you're allowed to read this book, but we, I, w- I want to make sure we're having an intentional conversation as you read it so that we can have a conversation about why and what you're thinking. And let's, let's talk values as you read it, and let's, let's ha- use this as a teachable moment rather than as a oh no, once they know it, then they're going to be want to be magicians and magic is bad and it's a sin and it's, you know, the devil. You're referring to Harry Potter yes. and a lot of religious which was, groups which saying, is banned like, don't do that. in many, many cultures. Right. And, oh, and, and what about when parents censor certain movies because of... It's rated R. Yeah, graphic violence or, or nudity or anything else like that because can you have that conversation with a five-year-old around, like, intentional conversations around... You know, gory fight scenes in Game of Thrones with a five-year-old, right? Like, so there's censorship in that sense where you're like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you you can't watch that when you're 18 or 16 or 17 or whatever age you choose. But I think it's up to what we don't see in this show, in this episode, is that the people have a choice to decide where the line is. Correct. Um, But they get told where the line is. Yeah. Or that there but, isn't a line. But parents you can't do tell that. kids where the line is. Right. And I would argue, I worked with teens for a long time. There are some parents who had a, a much higher bar than others. You don't know what they were censoring? Yes. Yeah. For or, instance, I was allowed to the, watch rated R movies when I was. Pretty, I never had censorship. Early, well, it's funny to me because, like, <laughs> growing up for me, the censorship was around not language or violence but around any type of sexual content. Sure. If my parents knew that a movie had sexual content, it, uh, they, I was allowed to watch Forrest Gump until the scene where he goes and picks up Jenny, Jenny. when she's playing guitar naked. My parents did not want me to see that scene. Oh, my God. 
Um, and I'm pretty Jenny sure, like, they, I don't think you actually see anything in that scene. But, like, my parents were absolutely against letting me watch that scene. But It'll... watching Terminator 2 um, and seeing a metal arm go through a milk carton and through a dude's esophagus. Totally fine. Totally fine. Um, and so it's an interesting scene where parents will draw the line for those kids. Because I would argue, like, I don't want to show... I think, like, I don't show rated R movies at the after schools that I work at, partly because, like, one, I don't want to be, I'm not responsible to show that content to people. Like, I don't, I don't want nothing to do with making that decision for a family. But we, we're going to watch G rated movies and keep it, then keep it there. Um, and that's a choice that I'm making for a program, but parents might decide something along the lines of the music their kids listen to or movies they listen to yeah. wherever they want it to. But they, they have the choice in that moment. Well, and, and who am I to make that decision for someone else's child? Correct. Right? And at the same time, there have been many times where I've been like, you should not be doing this with your child. You should not be letting them <laughs> this. Or you should be. Yeah. Like, they are old enough, and they are clearly able to have a, an intelligent conversation around this. Why are you preventing them from having well, it? Because I also know people that, like, they weren't allowed to watch rated R movies, even as, like, an 18-year-old, until they were, like, out of their parents', like financial yep. bearings like even well, in college like i'm not going to tell them i'm not going to tell my parents like so i'm reading a book right now that. called the nordic theory of everything Ooh, interesting and how do you like it i think it's fine <laughs> it's fine um but, but it's really interesting because the analysis talks about how the american way is a power it creates a power dynamic because the Nordic theory of everything is essentially saying the Nordic theory of love, which is when you you cannot love truly someone else unless you are two independent parties. And what the United States does is creates very dependent parties because children are dependent upon their parents until for most, for many, maybe, maybe not most, but many until they are out of college because parents are paying for college and therefore deciding what they should study and having hold over whether what they're watching and when they go home and how late they're staying out because they're paying for their college. And it just creates this power over dynamic, which is not okay. Whereas when you are financially free from having to be moored over by your parents, you are able to love them better. So that's the theory that's coming up. Essentially, you see how you hear a similar theory around uh, the way your pets love you. Quote, like, quote, unquote, like, and I, I'm sorry if I'm a buzzkill to anyone's uh, situation right now, but the argument for that would be that your pets don't really love you. They're dependent on you. Entirely. And so it's not love. It's them doing that as a safety measure to be able to survive. Well, they're bi biologically wired to continue what perpetuates feeding them. Right. Right? So, like, it's not love. Your dog doesn't love you. It's I'm doing this because I know that if I do this, I get, I get food. Yeah. I get treats. So, you, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, that's positive reinforcement. Oh, I'm training my dog. But you're really training them to, like, do things so that they can eat, not so that they can be like, oh, I love you because you're feeding me. That's... Yeah. Anyway. But so, similar concept of, like, if, if you're not dependent, you can't truly love unless you aren't dependent on each other. Yes. So with that in mind, I think that as soon as we start censoring from power, it is a problem. From a position of power. Yes. Gotcha. Censoring from a position of power. Which majority of the time it is. Exactly. And it very much is in this situation in this episode. Oh, and it's funny because it's one of those things where, like, if the purpose, what is the purpose of sense? Why are, are the powers that be at Bossing say um, censoring the war? Why are they censoring that information? Well, um, because. So who does that serve? Let's think about that. Right. Like, who does it serve? And what's, but what's the purpose? Because if, if the purpose is for no one to know about the war. It's not working. It's not working. Yeah. People are clearly fearful, but they're also fearful because they're dependent on the resources that government is giving to them. Correct. If I tell you this, I might get kicked out of the inner circle into a further outer circle. Legitimately. Like, literally. Um, and so, but people know. People know there's a war. It's just a... Oh, we can't talk about that. We can't that. talk about it. It's unspoken. But it's not keeping anybody from knowing that. It's not keeping yeah. anybody from being harmed by that information. One of my biggest things is the the taboo subjects so religion sex money. politics yeah. money these are the oh we don't talk about that at the dinner table no talk yeah, yeah 
I hear you. Talk about those things at the dinner table. My, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, talk about it, those things. Anytime I hear we don't talk about that at the dinner table, that to me is a huge red flag. And I say that because when we are unable to disagree and hold uncomfortable conversation without losing relationship and losing connection and that feeling of belonging that is what created the that's created the culture that we're in right now that has created the divisiveness and the corruption that we are in right now we got to teach people how to have uncomfortable conversations and do it understanding that you're talking about the topics and not about the people. Which is why we say, hey, I'm not going to prevent you from reading Harry Potter because I believe magic is the devil. We say, hey, can we talk about this as you read it? And I want you to come to your own conclusion, but I want you to know what I'm thinking because I really care about you and I want you to know that this is what, where I'm coming from. Well, so it's one of the What's fun- a more powerful message? Right. You're teaching people how to have those conversations. You're teaching people how to disagree. By the way, I don't think Harry Potter is the devil. I think it's wonderful, if not sacred. I.e. Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. It's a great book. I don't think we should glorify Snape the way that they do towards the end of that. I think that he makes lots of decisions throughout the series that are wrong. Snape is incredibly problematic. Um, that are flat, but like, but so many people. It's like after we find out the way that he loved Lily and like what he did that we like, it's redeemed for everything that he does. I don't think it is. I think he does a lot of things that are wrong. He's abusive. This. Yeah. He's very abusive towards Harry. Um, you know who else is abusive? The Dai Li. Yes. Yes, they are. But what I was getting to anyways, before that, um, <laughs> as you're trying to redirect us back to the episode is as we we're talking about censorship, um, I come across a lot of, and what I kind of thought of was sexual education in the United States. Yeah. And the difference between abstinence and comprehensive sexual education. Oh God. Abstinence Um, is the only way I'm being sarcastic. And so it's, but but that's, but so I see as, as teaching abstinence as it's, it's almost like sex doesn't exist. You're not allowed to have it. You shouldn't do it till you're married. Don't do it is a form of censorship. But It's more than that. It's also saying that it's creating shame around people's bodies and like experience. This is, this is what I'm feeling and saying you shouldn't feel, you shouldn't feel those things. Right. Yeah. And that to me is more problematic than anything else. But what you're also seeing is that it's just, it doesn't work the same way. Like the goal of teaching abstinence as a way to not have sex and censoring that information is only making it happen more in those States. So the states that have stricter abstinence sexual education are in are not teach, teaching about contraceptives and are not teaching about all the other things that are happening are the states that have more teen pregnancies and have more STDs. Um, and so it just it doesn't work. And so kind of sharing that's kind of what it made me think about is it like you're trying to keep people from understanding or fearing the war in Bos- uh, the war outside of Boston Bos- Bos- and they know about it and they're fearful of it and it's. It's not doing what you think it's doing. So there's a podcast that I have recently been enamored with. It's called You Have Permission. And it's um, about, it's saying you have permission to blank dot dot dot. And so the episode that I'm going to talk about right now is to think seriously about patriarchy. (laughs) And so for me, thinking about sex education is why... Are, why is abstinence – where in our culture did abstinence become valued? And it came from the idea and concept that you shouldn't have sex before marriage. Where did that come from, right? That comes from a really intense Christian perspective of, say, of like being pure before uh, you get married, right? And – where did the whole patriarchy like there's so much patriarchical it comes from dad trying to sell their daughters to future husbands by with a dowry with a dowry and, and, and like a, yeah yeah and so and like, it all the, leads back to the patriarchy it, it all, you know what it really does <laughs> yeah that's not a joke like it uh, it, it it saddens me how much it leads back you can to pinpoint the patriarchy. those things that all lead back to like but it's one of those things where i i think that people hear the word feminist and then cringe a little bit but being a feminist is just as much in promotion of the welfare of men as it is in promotion of the welfare of women. And I like, hear me out. <laughs> I, well, someone else gaining rights doesn't mean you're losing yours. 
Precisely. Right. Right. And it's also the patriarchy affects men in a way. It's the same thing as saying men should watch football. Men should, period. Men should finish the sentence. That's the patriarchy talking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Women should dot dot dot. That's the patriarchy talking. Should there's that word should again. Remember that should word. Yeah. In anyway. this context, it makes more sense the argument you're making and like three episodes ago. Yeah. So it's one of those things where the patriarchy is creating this cultural value on these things, and it is so embedded in our culture that we don't even notice it. Right. And so we've gone from censorship to the patriarchy. Yep. Right? Because... That's the natural path. (laughs) Yeah. And you see that... So you see this here. And you realize that the patriarchy isn't really referring to the king. We understand that he's a figurehead in Ba Sing Se. It's really to the Dai Li. Um, Well, who holds the power? Right. right? And the Dai Li holds the power. But the Dai Li is creating this line of censorship because they would lose the power if the king knew what was going on. Correct. It's all to keep him... Keep him hidden. Yes. Right? That's what you end up realizing. It's not about what the people know. It's about what the king knows. That's right. Um, And keeping him from that information because of what he would do with it. Because, and I I wonder, what's the generous assumption of Long Fang, right? He's trying to maintain the order of this civilization that he loves and respects. The, the, The best assumption I can make is that he wants to do so well for the king... He wants to do well in the king's eyes. He wants the king to know that he is doing a good job. At least that was the story he started with, that when the king said, hey, how's the war coming on? He was like, everything's great, sir, when really it was totally not. It's not great. But he was probably rewarded. He was probably given more power. He was probably given all these things to where it led him to the point where now he is hiding it with all of his heart in order to maintain that power well, and at the expense of other people and other yes. individuals at the expense of refugees coming into the country at the expense of women who are working for this organization and yes inconsistently being he, like does brainwashed. he see it that way he sees it as this is this is means to the greater good and it, and let's that that's the most generous assumption right, right. is that he sees it that it's like way. i you know I, I yeah maybe i don't like doing this but like it's means to the greater good um and so he's going to keep doing it because that's what he feels like he needs to. Because it, it's so interesting. But, like, how that has played and shifted the entire culture of bossing say, they couldn't go to an individual and ask about APA or anything without getting – without being fearful. Well, seeing we have, Judy, to, we have to talk about Judy, Seeing right? Judy and also being like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely not going to talk about this. Like, Judy strikes fear into my – like – well, she's a government official that's looking them in the eye, smiling this big fake smile, saying, "If you do this, bad things will happen." Which that's is what's the, that's the implication of her shaking her head. Yeah, very right? umbrage like. Well, and so, in since like, here's my question: um, We see a path for the first Judy that is terrifying for me. She comes in. She's doing her job. She's censoring herself. She's censoring how she acts in front of Team Avatar. And how she is acting is sending a message, right? Yep. Sokka, totally not picking up on that message, right? Toph picks it up quick. Toph is like, you're being handled. Yep. And she's like, I get it. From moment I've, one. Yep. He's like, I just feel like I'm only, they're only hearing every other word that I say. And she's like, yeah, that's what it feels like to be handled. That's yeah. like, I, yep. So. She's uh, on to it. So my question is, does Judy believe in the message that she is sending? I think she's brainwashed. I don't think she has any idea. Or is she doing this as a means of being financially stable? Is she doing this to protect her children and her family? Is she what like what is the intent behind her censorship versus the censorship from Long from Long Fang, who is creating the censorship? Does right. that make sense? How like do we act in a way that protects our own safety or the safety of our family, even though we know it's wrong? But it, it's because, a, it's because our let's own be real, means of survival. Censorship starts from the top, but then it bled so far into the community that no one, everyone rather, was censoring themselves. Well, and we see so many Judies. Do we are we saying the the original one that we see is not brainwashed? We only saw two, right? We, right. So like, and we know, but like, I would argue that she wasn't because look at her trajectory. She starts like, like there's times where she clearly knows like she's no, like seriously we're not going down this. She's path. like nope don't talk about this. Yeah please seriously we're she's, not. Doing I think this. she's faking it the whole time. Like she's totally like 
Oh, I'm bought in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the moment that really speaks out to me is when Aang gets discovered at the party. The Avatar's here? And you see this, like, you should go pause on that frame. On Judy's on face. On her face. Like, because, oh, crap. No, it's not, oh, crap. It is terror. Yeah. It is a it is a picture of terror. She is terrified she of what's about out. to yeah. happen. Because she comes up to them moments before saying, you have to leave. We, like, we'll be found out. And she doesn't say, you'll be found out. Mm-hmm. It's we. She's locked in. Because she probably accepted this job or was prescribed this job, and she, like, has to perform or else. Yep. And I think or else happened because in the end— We see a new GD. We see an entirely new person given the same name. That—like, did they, do they think we're not going to notice? Like, what the—like, what does that mean? Like, why not just call them—why like, not call her, you know, anything else? Like, I don't, like that, that is a terrifying message because that is a—I think that is a message of power. That is not saying, oh, we're going to send you somebody else with a new name. It's saying, hey, not only that. I want you to know that we did this, and you better, yes. you better behave accordingly. Yes. Yep. That is terrifying. Oh. That's, that is one of the most downright scary thing that happens in this entire show. Legit. Well, and you, and mean, it's not from the Fire Nation. No. Let's well, talk about that. We, we've seen that before. We've seen behavior from the Earth Kingdom before about... It is not like the moment we try to get Aang in the, the Avatar State in episode one this season. How that commander is trying to literally pull the Avatar State out of Aang by doing anything that he has to, even if it means hurting Katara and Sokka. Um, well, I just think that this, that, like, this show is so slated as everyone against the Fire Nation. But I think what I love about the Avatar concept is it's creating balance between all nations. Right. It's no one not should be in, like, defeating the Fire Lord. Correct. Which it is for the that he is the enemy of the show, and it's about creating He's balance. An enemy of the show. Like yes. you have to have these these other characters. And like you're right, Iroh is about balance between all nations. And we saw that as he's working with, like, in the Order of the White Lotus of these individuals who believe in the And in we the see it in his bending styles. Um, you see, it, you see it in his behavior of, like, he's not overly trying to obtain anything. He just wants to be comfortable um, and wants other people to be comfortable. But you see that in his actions throughout the whole thing. So it is terrifying when you see these moments of Jet getting captured. Because, like, look at Jet. Talking, as That's you're talking about, also terrifying. As you're talking about someone who's legitimately trying to do the right thing. Right? So Jet, we, knows, we know Zuko and Iroh. He's misguided. But we and know, he's trying to do the right thing. We know thing. Zuko and Iroh. But he knows that this entire war has been started by the Fire Nation. And he knows that... And let's be real. If they weren't... I wonder if he had said that at the very beginning before they had made a reputation about being, like, best tea in town. Yeah. I it, wonder if he, if they he would have carried taken, more weight. Correct. But the fact that they had already swayed other members of the Earth Kingdom to believe in them, or the Dai Li... Um, and I don't know if those... the I don't know if the the... Army men who were in the tea shop when Jet attacked. They were not. Yeah. They're not Dai Li. Um, they showed up at the end. But, and then they were backed, right? They were vouched. Nope, this is the best tea maker in town. This kid is causing a disturbance. And then you are safe. There's no war in Ba Sing Se. And we see the lantern floating around the. Uh, Terrifying. It's, it's scary. Um, this is a creepy episode for sure. And it's one where... It's, it's, this is a dark episode. It pulls frustration because you feel the frustration from Sokka as he's like, I'm trying to do what is right. Like, get yeah. this in front of the king. And I can understand... Well, it's like She's like, oh, oh my goodness. Your order is already being processed to see the king. It'll be six to eight weeks. <laughs> and I, I can't talk to the experience of other people. Um, but And, I, and I've been uh, a cisgendered white male my entire life that has not changed right like i um i've been born with privileges and not had to experience um lots of barriers to my success but i can imagine um and empathize with the frustration of knowing that something is wrong and doing everything in your power to fix it and yeah. being told by the powers that be no nothing's wrong we don't we, we don't need to fix anything it's just like when, oh. And how and how much pain that has to cause and the frustration that causes. Oh man, it's um, it's just wrong. It's wrong. Yeah, it is wrong in every way. 
And and well, and that reminds me of a quote that I I, I considered using for our card open. It's working under censorship is like being intimate with someone who does not love you, with whom you want no intimacy, but who presses himself in upon you. That's forced. Ugh. Like, like how vivid ugh. is that? It's visceral. Yeah. Like I, my, my body has a reaction to that quote and th- like censorship is that it's that bad. <laughs> like I'm going to say it. Like, I think it's that bad. It is something that once it happens to us, we won't ever forget it. But you, but when you're not being censored or feel like you're be like, if you're living in the majority or feeling like you're in that position of power, um, you don't notice you don't it. Think about it, or do you notice it and you so don't want to be there? And it's and it's better them than me, right? And so, yeah. is that what allows people in power to continue to be in power, or is it stepping up and saying, "No, this is wrong, and I need to fight against it"? Yeah. One uh, more thing that I want to talk about. Yes. So, Aang and the gang are like, "Oh my God, there's a party," and Toph is like, "No, no, no, no." Y'all aren't civilized enough. Y'all don't have the society knowledge and wherewithal to participate in this kind of a crowd. She's not wrong. So, I have a question. (laughs) Is society, civilization, manners, politeness, censorship? I think some people will tell you yes. I... And I think it goes back to, are you acting within your values, right? So if you're looking at niceties as a way to, I have to do this to keep, you know, a persona up, or are you looking at it as a, I need to be kind because I need to be kind to other people? Um, and if I think if you're acting with inside your values, that's what you're, that's the goal, right? You want to act inside of your values when doing those things. If you are doing things and you feel like you're censoring yourself for other people's sake, I think you have to understand kind of understand where's that coming from i don't think there's a perfect black and white answer to that yeah i don't either and in its core i think it's censorship so like i'm when that's like but is that not good sometimes then right like if if you're if nine you're, times out of ten i right? think it's bad because that's <laughs> and that because that's the moment of um all right, I'm going to say this, and I'm really angry right now. Well, here's the deal. So I'm going to, so I'm going to lay into you, and you make feel you feel ter- terrible about yourself because you just did this thing, and I'm really upset with you, and I'm going to make you feel it. Or I'm going to pause. I'm going to redirect and think about where I want to come from my values. I might be censoring how I initially felt or putting it through a filter, but the second way is the more of the person that I want to be and the values that I believe in. So. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, so it goes back to like Ayn Rand's book. I forget what it's called. Atlas Shrugged. At, maybe, I, maybe it's that one or another one. But it's where the world is, everyone is honest, mm-hmm. right? And so there are no lies. If everyone was honest and there were no lies, that would be a better world. Is the supposition? And we've said before where no sometimes lies are necessary sometimes lies keep people safe sometimes lies do x y and z but her argument is that if everyone was always honest absolutely yes 100 percent, it would be better maybe a world without censorship if you will yeah right well maybe we censor ourselves just as much as we censor others well, because if you're thinking about it from a sense of safety, right? Like, why are pe- if people were more honest with themselves about why things made them upset, would they not be angry about certain things or not? I don't. There's a, that's a whole line that I think we could dive into for like a full three yeah, hour episode. Yeah. Um, I just think that the evil of censorship. To kind of sum up. I think the result of censorship is self censorship, and that's what tris- twists us and turns us into something that we don't. That's what twists us against our values, right? And it makes it leads us to feeling guilty and shame, and it leads like censorship leads to all of the negative things that we've talked about on this epi- on this show in the past. And I think that it creates a culture in which it perpetuates negative byproducts. And I think that ultimately is something we should actively work against. Agreed. On a more lighthearted nature, I th- I have a theory about the bear. You mean the platypus bear? No, the, the bear. The raccoon bear. The bear. I don't understand. I have a theory about the bear. 
So in this world, we know that all these things exist. And I'm not going to say like the platypus bear is better than the bear, but we know that there's like an evolution that has taken place that has not taken place with this animal. And I wonder if that kind of speaks to what happens when you censor information from happening is that you don't allow the best ideas to come together and converge and create something new or to create something that's like, that's an improvement. Um, but it speaks to when you keep information from passing or we censor it, that it then just keeps things stagnant and um, keeps things from being the best versions of themselves. And that's how I that's how I kind of read the bear situation is the bear hasn't been allowed to evolve like other bears have been because it's been kind of quarantined off. That's my bear theory. If you have a bear theory, we want to hear it. Yeah. At BNB underscore pod. Yeah. Or the archive at gmail.com with a nice little voice memo. Ooh, voice memos. Do that, please. Yeah, you should send some of those. Anything else we want to talk about? Because we, we've talked a lot about censorship, and we've not really talked. We've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about things in the episode, but more in touch with, like, is there any more things that we want to recap around censorship in this episode? I just think another good example of what does censorship create. It creates subversion, and it creates disguises, i.e., because there is so much censorship, Aang and the gang feel like they have to get into disguise and sneak into the Earth Kingdom party in order to have audience with the king, right? If in or- People will do what they think is right regardless of the censorship unless there's like more serious consequences. The Avatar gang is has a little bit of privilege knowing that they can probably lean on Avatar to get out of a, a real sticky situation, but in general... It gets pretty sticky. It gets pretty sticky. We aren't. We get some unfun episodes coming up here next yeah. time around. That's going to be a tough recording session. Yeah, thank you all for going through these episodes and not just skipping from the desert to uh, Lake Lao Guy. Yeah. But I'm, all not, right. I'm not looking forward to the next time we record. Max, do you have anything you want to add? No, thank you. All right. Well, we are gonna we got we're gonna keep with the little act. We did a little fun little activity last week. We're gonna try it again. We're gonna try it again. We're gonna, we're gonna do it again. See how we like it, and then keep sending in voice memos, y'all. Send in those things to thearchivy at gmail.com. and so we will be back with that little segment and our devotion right after this. Time for our next segment. Thanks for sticking with us through this uh, new trial period where we learn and grow from this 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 thing that we're trying. This, uh, little, this little podcast experiment. Yeah, just so y'all are aware, this is um, based off of a sacred practice that has been done, uh, and I'm kind of taking and utilizing this from Harry Potter and the sacred text just to make it clear. If you like Harry Potter, probably a really cool... Uh, similar but not the same podcast to what we're doing with Avatar. Um, but essentially, the practice is called Flora Legia, Flora Legia, which is the the flowers that are within the words. And so these are the flowers that kind of grew and we noticed and we smelled, and they're the sparklets that we saw or heard while we were watching this episode. And these are the quotes that stuck out to us. And so what we're going to do is, if you recall from last episode, or maybe you weren't listening, so we're going to tell you now, uh, we each picked a quote from the episode, and we're going to read it, we're going to talk about it, why we picked it, and then we're going to put the two quotes in conversation with one another and see what happens. So here we go. Let's see what happens. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to? Sure, I'll go first. Um, They are the guardians of all our traditions. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, if I remember correctly, that's about the Dai Li. It yes. is. Yes. Uh, this is uh, the first Judy says this as they're giving tours and they first get into, like, the upper level. And so she's explaining the Dai Li and why they're a benefit. And she says, they are the guardians of all our traditions. Um, and I think that spoke to me because the last time I've heard people... Um, honestly, the, so the, the main time I hear people saying, like, I fight for tradition... Or I'm, is is um, I've heard that language a lot around arguments around Confederate monuments in the South and people fighting for tradition and fighting mm. for heritage, mm-hmm. and it it I honestly came off very similar to me as the way that Judy was talking about the Dali. That's very vivid. Yeah. 
And so, like, it stuck with me. That quote stuck with me because of that. Because it, it, the last time I heard someone fight for the Confederate monuments was it was we were fighting for our tradition, um, and that those came off very similar to me. Wow, man. Okay, so to, can you read it one more time? Yep, they are the guardians of all our traditions. That's so interesting. So the the thing that comes up for me as I hear that is one of my favorite game franchises, The Legend of Zelda. And in The Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, the one of the main antagonists that we come upon is our guardians, which are originally created to defend the kingdom of Hyrule from all negative things. And then the Calamity Ganon comes up along and takes control of all of the machines that we have been created including the guardians and now these guardians are have have turned evil and they are against the the side of good and i think that makes me think that like probably the daily were created originally in concept as a good thing and they were probably doing good work and maintaining culture and helping culture thrive and then almost like maybe like curators in a museum yeah that's a really good way to put it and over time probably because of the censorship and power dynamic that was created that has changed and it has become guarding what used to be tradition and is now outdated so that's that's what comes to mind for me I'm tying that to a video game. What what do you what do you think? Yeah, no, that that's uh, I feel like that's almost a trope in a lot of video games. It, it happens is, yeah. in Jedi Fallen Order where that you have to go like go to these different temples that are guarded by guardians that you have to fight or repurpose and use. Again, and the so, word like, guardian, right? Yeah, it's, and so um something that watches over. So it's like which like yeah. when you hear like I think guardian angel when I hear the word guardian yeah or uh, the guardians of the galaxy protectors of these of these things or and people, guardians uh, of the summoners in Final Fantasy X mm-hmm. and so it, it it's interesting when you think of it in context of like it's a positive thing it's someone who watches over me and keeps me safe um and then how easily that is how easily that turns into head. someone who watches me yeah and like make sure that I does that I don't step out of line yeah a la like you you're no longer protecting me you are protecting other things against me and what that like in turn yeah, you as in the show on netflix i haven't watched it you yeah you have i've only watched season one chill um, but joe sees himself as a guardian and he's sure. really a stalker yeah don't give away any spoil i mean that's like spoilers in, that's clearly in the very beginning the, yeah okay, that, well. that is like in the preview if you look watch the trailer anyway yes so that's that was my that was my that was quote. yours yeah. i i like well, that was that's pretty cool and look what came out of that just yeah, that one a lot line. of conversation yeah. yeah okay so the line that i picked let's see if you can figure out who says it we've been talking and we think you're becoming obsessed with this this is uh the freedom fighters talking to jet when he's surveilling uh doing surveillance spying on iroh yeah and zuko yeah so smellerby says we've been talking and we think you're becoming obsessed with which one is okay tell me why you picked that quote so because i've got thoughts already (laughs) one it reminded me of harry potter so like in book six harry potter is obsessed with scoping out draco malfoy because draco malfoy is doing something wrong and Mm -hmm. he's like he knows it for sure but everybody else is like all the evidence points elsewhere and then harry knows he's right and jet knows he's right he is he is right Right. harry is right Mm -hmm. but everyone is against him the entire book and everyone is against jet we've been talking and we think you're becoming obsessed with this and they're also not wrong smellerby is not wrong no he is obsessed he is obsessing over this. Why can't he let it go? Yeah. Right? And I know that Smellerby is saying this with good intent. I know that she cares a great deal about Jet and mm-hmm. is saying this for his good. And it's just so hard because Jet's right. And whether he, what are he, what he's doing potentially is like, you could argue that what he's doing isn't wrong, 
You could also argue that it doesn't matter. That, like, they're refugees in this situation. But they're he doesn't know that. No, I agree. His affiliation Correct. and understanding of firebenders is that they're evil. Yeah. And he has just found evidence that they are firebenders, and therefore they are evil. They are bad people. Yep. And he believes he's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I, 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 I get it so much, and I want so much. I, and I just – I think about all the times where – there are people who are in college who are just so obsessed, and that's my language, around like dating and relationships. And it feels like you're obsessing with this. And But it feels so it means so much to them in that moment. Yes. Yes. And so at what point is I, and I don't think this is an un, an unempathetic way of saying it either. You know? No, they're very kind. They're yeah. very compassionate. Th- it just there's so much wrapped up in it that it just it stuck out to me and what's, that's why I picked it. The, and what's interesting to me on in that is we've yet to hear Longshot say anything. Yeah. And so when you hear the quote, "We've been talking," oh, you're like, I got interesting, because so often we see them talk to our look at Longshot or he gives a look communicating and yeah. well and they get it. It yeah. even happens. In, it happens. Um, the episode before uh, Long, he, he asked Longshot about like, do you think do you think Lee would be good on the team? I can respect and that. And he's like, yeah, I can respect that answer, right? I like, but he doesn't say anything. So it's interesting to hear like we've been talking. Has he actually been talking? Do we know this? We know as viewers of this of the show that Longshot will eventually talk. Um, but we're not there yet. So. I picked that line. I'll read it again. We've been talking, and we think you've become obs- you're becoming obsessed with this. Can you read yours again? They are the guardians of all our traditions. So we've looked at these two quotes individually, and now we're going to read them together and put them in conversation with one another as if they happen right next to each other. So let's read yours one more time, and then I'll read mine right after. They are the guardians of all our traditions. We've been talking, and we think you're becoming obsessed with this. Yeah. What comes to mind? Oh, man. That makes me think about someone who's like, it almost, it, it somewhat resembles Jet, but if someone's taking something so seriously, like, oh, we have to be, we have to treat these things with such respect, like old artifacts. Like if someone's like, no, we can't, you can't touch these things. They're, they're priceless. Like I think of, uh, um, action figures like in a box oh, and then yeah. someone being like yeah we gotta tell you like you're you're kind of obsessed with this like this isn't you should probably pick a new hobby or like this is weird or like well and so you're into this thing a little too much you know what that question makes me think of like oh we think you're into this a little too much yeah. it really speaks to me because there are so many things that i'm like i'm a grown adult and i am still playing video games and I had so many people in my life growing up that were so anti-video game that were like, you're still playing video games? Or like, and, and you can learn a lot from video games. I don't think I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's like an obsession. But to them, it seems like it is an obsession. Well, they see it as like, the uh, you've, you've seen the meme or the episode of Always Sunday in Philadelphia where Charlie's like, got all the the lines oh, yes. and like yeah. going and he's trying to figure out who pepe sylvia is and turns out he just doesn't it, know how to read pennsylvania yeah. and so like he's like who's pepe sylvia and he's got all these like yeah but and and then two people coming into that just situation that and being like you're obsessed with this and i think that that's kind of how i picture this moment of someone being like these are the guardians you have to respect them and they they were they, all the traditions and and someone else being like dude you're dude you chill you're, you need to you need to chill out Um, Well, and there are, and so my my question is, what are the moments where we need to come in and say, hey, we genuinely think this is an obsession and we want to have a conversation about it? And then there are moments when, okay, let's talk about it. Why do you think I have an obsession? Mm -hmm. What is causing you to think that I have an obsession? Or why is an obsession a bad thing? Why is an obsession about this, if it is an obsession, Negative. When that kind of goes, because I would argue that anytime you need to intervene, anytime someone's hurting themselves or hurting other people, either physically or emotionally, that's like that would be my. There's com- a line. That would be there, my company that, that line. Is a, that is a a line for those of us who don't have one to potentially think about right. instituting. The issue is, 
how do you define that line of when that is like when someone is becoming what do you mean hurt right <laughs> like, or, or what what is hurting themselves because someone could sit there and say you're hurting yourself by playing video games that much absolutely right you're gonna hurt your eyes you're hurting you're, yourself you're, by reading a banned book you're dis you're distancing yourself you exactly you're distancing yourself from reality like yep. you're going to a dangerous place right and so it's like but who gets to decide where that line is and when you're harming yourself um, yeah, because how many times have you tried to ban video games that are violent or oh, blame t- violent Grand video Auto? games for the, Oh my goodness! Or, or, or blame violent video games absolutely when the data doesn't support that playing violent video games actually at all creates yeah. um, violent people. But if you are someone who like, but you might say like confirmation. I don't want, I don't want you to. You're consistently playing violent video games, and that worries me about how you're going to turn out. And I'm responsible for your safety as your parent, and so like I'm going to create that line and saying you're harming yourself by doing this too much. Yeah, and for me, I think as soon as judgment comes in, like as in, a, as soon as I assume that what you're doing is negative or positive, as soon as I assign a value to what you are doing in that obsession, that is when it becomes not okay for me. I think that. But you might not be wrong. You know what I mean? Like, well, sure. But at the same time, it's coming in and saying, hey, you're obsessed. This needs to stop. Versus coming in and saying what Smellerby says, hey, we've been talking and we think you're becoming obsessed with this. But she follows it up with, and we're not talking about it, is she also says it's not healthy. That's the next line. Which is like any other intervention, whether it's alcohol or drugs or... or and it's just any, one of like, those things where like... Where's the line? I'm not an expert. Do the people who do this... Or is there someone we can reach out to and say like, when do you, when can you identify this? And is there a list of 10 things that they can say if these 10 things are happening? I'm just not a big to, fan of like, oh, intervene. here are the 10 things you need to pay attention to. It's like, or oh, five steps to success. I'm just not a big fan of those lists, right? It's, it's not sure. ever that simple. Sure, but there's a criteria of like, if you see these symptoms... Yeah, and like, like sure, like yes, you need to step in. And so, is there people who do interventions? Are interventions something that's? Uh, are there people who do that regularly that are able to kind of speak to that? Because I'm not that expert. Yeah. Um. So. Well, it's the same thing. So I teach a class called Mental Health First Aid, Youth Mental Health First Aid, and it's about providing first aid to people who are in mental health crisis situations, one of which is suicidal ideation. And there's a myth about talking about suicide perpetuates the concept of suicide and like, oh, I'm going to put the idea in their head, right? Oh, people get mad at doctors because now doctors ask the question like, are you having suicidal thoughts? Um, A lot of times in physicals. Because there are a lot, there are so much data that proves that is helpful. Yep. But parents are getting upset. Like I saw a doctor review on Yelp, right? Like recently when I was like trying to pick a primary care physician where someone was like, they asked my 14 year old this question and how dare they, they're not ready for that question. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to choose them as my primary physician. Right. Like, thank you for asking those questions. Um, continue. Sorry. That was just a weird jumping off point. Well, it's just, well, it's worth noting, but it's one of those things where who, who has, the right to determine what is obsessed and what is not. And also at the same time, it is our job to maintain safety for our loved ones. We have a duty to be responsible to the people that we love and care about and to do our best to keep them safe and alive. And so if that means, hey, I feel like I've noticed these behaviors in you, it's not saying, hey, I think you're suicidal or, hey, I think you're obsessed, I wonder if we can say it differently. I wonder if we can say, hey, here are some of the behaviors that I'm noticing, and I have questions. Tell me can more. you help me understand right. m- what these behaviors are about, rather than labeling it? Because that's where it becomes patronizing and judgmental and an issue. Yeah. Uh, we got to flip these quotes, right, and dive into Yeah, let's do that real quick. We're running out of time. Um, so you read yours first, and then I will read mine. We've been talking, and we think you're becoming obsessed with this. They are the guardians of all our traditions. That almost sounds like taking a stance. It's exactly like, it, I it was, was thinking. Like, that. So I, like, I heard defensiveness in that. Right. Like, you're taking a stance of, hey, you're obsessed with this. Like, no, I, I, I no. I'm taking, like... I almost hear, like, a very calm, like, 
they are the guardians of our culture and tradition. And we have to protect like, them. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, like, is, like I understand like, why you're coming at me this way, but no, we have to do this. It's like, I'm going to try and maintain my calmness and be very, this is, this is real. This is it. I would say uh, any, any movie where a kid has had to convince their parents that something was real in a fantasy world. And like, I am not dreaming. Or like, they are real. Right. Well, like the moment in Jumanji where like the two kids are running up to their mom and their mom's like, you're, you're being crazy. None of these things are happening. And, but then the monkeys driving yeah. the police car, like fly by and she's like uh <laughs> yeah i kind of felt like that like no like i know you think i'm crazy this is happening there is a monster under the bed or they're like this is um well and that's just calling that is calling me to like really channel that empathy right yeah. like what in most situations why would they lie like an eight-year-old like in the why like, would they lie about that like right yeah why would they lie and what's the harm in like following up with that yeah like, well, like what's the harm in you taking two minutes to look under the bed right hey or having a conversation around like hey let's talk about what's in your closet and like yeah yeah fears are scary let's not like, censor who we go to let's yeah. not censor how we talk to our kids Let's have the conversation because it's not just about like I'm actively not going to have this conversation. It's also actively choosing not to have an uncomfortable conversation for the sake that it's simply because it's uncomfortable. You got to lean into discomfort. I will say I think it's worth highlighting like you and I don't have kids. Thank we have goodness. We have worked with a lot of kids. In I our, love in our children, careers. and I'm not ready um, for it. So I think that that's I think it's it would be easy for a parent to like be like you just wait for it you know what yeah. i mean like um so i don't want to discredit or, or, or not validate how the way parents feel on that but like we've also worked with a lot of kids well and it's not even that it's one of those things like all of the things we say on this if we we need to throw in the caveat it's of, our experience this is my experience yeah it is no one else's yep. right everything that we say it, it could be easily and that's why we want these voicemails from y'all like send us your interpretation of these shows what what is coming up for you as you watch this is this reminding you of an experience that you've had in your life that we haven't had a chance to talk about because we want to hear from you and we want to learn from you more than that like don't censor yourself send us a voicemail help us learn from your experience because we haven't experienced it yeah. yes absolutely okay. Well, thank you uh, for leading this again. I think this is a fun little sacred practice uh, to dive into, and I think it's fun to do. And so we hope you all are enjoying it as well. Um, and we'll see what happens. But we got to jump into we got to jump into our devotion. Yep. And so, what are we going to do to change our behaviors this week? Uh, we're talking about the element fire, mm. um, and I think for me, and, and specifically around censorship, and I think for me, um, fire can be very. Um, and it, when it comes out as a personality trait, it's very confident. It's very, no, this is, we're going to do this, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to be kind of in your face about it. And I think that that's how I need to tackle when we see censorship happening, especially as being a part of the, uh, the majority in most groups. Um, when we see censorship, when I see people being mistreated, um, I need to speak up and not be silent in those moments. And so I think that's my, that's my call for myself this week is to uh with a fiery trait and personality actively fight against forms of censorship around marginalized groups of people or any time that we see that it's wrong um because i need to you know we don't often have the same thing i think some most of the time we intentionally pick things that are different but in in this instance i'm i'm not this is what i want to do i think that actively speaking out using the fire within us to be bold and to have that courage to speak up against censorship is necessary, especially in our culture today. Yeah. Period. When it's tough, <laughs> I, and I think that's tough sometimes. Cause I think sometimes like white savior, white male savior complex is a thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so yeah. I think it's also really important for us to understand when we need to take a back seat and be supportive and to be a voice in, yep. in, in, on stages where other people don't have a voice, but also know that we can't, we aren't the voice. Um, we are simply a voice. Yep. And I think that that's important to notice as well and to learn from other people's experiences and let um, others lead the way as well. But 
yeah when when yeah. i see censorship this uh this week and hopefully for the rest of my life speaking up with uh that fiery courage here here thank you so much for for listening y'all if you if you got any other input you can send us a voice memo to the gmail.com follow us on instagram and twitter at bnb underscore pod thanks to max gongware for doing a phenomenal job of producing mm. this um, mm. and always helping us sound better than we would without him um and, and so uh we appreciate you max max doesn't censor us nope unless i have to unless you're using language that we we don't agree to i've only done that once so uh <laughs> i'm sunshine mayfield this has been Bruit. and this has been bending not breaking thank you for listening bye